Hi, and welcome to the teachings of CoChurch. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus and help you to do the same. We're passionate about real community, so please reach out to us and connect by visiting our website www.co-church.org or joining us in person every Sunday as we gather. We hope this talk is helpful. The church is often metaphored as a body. There are many parts. Each part is significant and each part has a part to play. And we as a church want to see all of you having at least the opportunity to express gift, talent, skill, passion, because we want to see your lives flourishing in Jesus and in being a part of our community. And I love the good things that are happening even just this week. So last week we launched term one. We're trying to create a rhythm in our church that is based around the terms. So we're in term one. We decided that as of last week, it was the beginning for our termly rhythm. And we launched into our smaller groups. We want to be a church that is groups who gather not just a gathering who groups. And so our emphasis is on ensuring that every single person has the opportunity to find a sense of belonging, to meet other people, to connect, build friendship, and hopefully see some great discipleship taking place. So we had some life groups that got together last week, which is really encouraging. I know Cairns and Andrea had a beautiful morning on the beach, walking, coffee, prayer, chats. Uh, some of the guys are getting together this week. I started the infamous running group. And I say that because it's going to become infamous with how amazing it is. Um, not yet there, but a few of us got together and ran. And just to say this, I just want to thank uh, the crew that ran with me on Thursday morning. Maybe I emphasized a little bit too much that I wanted the pace to be a bit chilled and the distance not to be too long, because I think you all kind of try to look after me. And we only ended up running four kilometers at a nice pace. So I reckon this week, Thursday morning, we might push the pace a little bit. Now that I've said that, I want to take that back straight away <laughs> because of the people that run in that group. That's not a license for you to run away. Okay. But um, we're going to run again on Thursday morning. I know uh, Dion is getting together with his Bible study group this week as well. I know Danny very soon, is going to be getting together with some girls, a real creative expression, looking at art and how that plays into life and friendship. So there's some great things happening with our life groups, and we want to encourage you to be a part of it. If there is something that interests you, if you're thinking that you want to connect at a deeper level with people, our life groups are cool. And what I also love is that we're not just seeing great form happening with our life groups, we're seeing great form happening with what we call our serve groups, or our teams, as you might know them in a typical church context. And I love that we have opportunity for you to bring your gift and your passion into what we would know to be the wider community of our church. And so our serve groups are starting to take shape. We have a worship group that I can see incredible things happening with and through. So I love it that we've got a crew getting together, musicians and singers, um, and I'm in there because I'm a wannabe musician and singer. You will never see me on an instrument nor singing, but I'm there anyway, okay? But that's pretty cool. Um, we have Tam gathering a great community and group around serving our kids and seeing a great, incredible kids program taking place on Sundays. And then also, I just wanted to make mention of this fine man here at the front. Christian, come over here for a second. So Christian, this guy here, probably has the most important role in church. Because what this guy does is he delivers coffee to us. 
And let's thank him and the team that help us with coffee. Um, you know what I love about that is, is I love that the community of church can actually be an environment where we acquire new skill, that, that we can come into a place with other people and actually be empowered, not just to serve in a church service context, but that actually we would be empowered to live out various means in various spheres and avenues of life. And so I'm going to get on board with that as well. I want to learn how to make a great coffee. Um, so we really want to put some energy into that space as well. So if you want to be a part of it, please, you don't need to know much about coffee right now. If you have an interest in it, if you have a passion for it, if you just want to be a smiling face for that person that you know, not only will a coffee or a hot chocolate or even a herbal tea could make their day, but a smile could actually make a huge difference, then that's what we would love to see happening. So please come and chat with me about how you can get involved and that side of hospitality. So I'm going to get into my thoughts for today. So Father, I just want to ask you in these next few moments as we look at your word, as we share our heart, which is your heart, may this word be received by every single person. And so I just want to pray right now for soft hearts, for um, a receptivity, that Holy Spirit, you would be illuminating that you would be bringing the word alive to us. And I pray, Lord, that something is deposited by you in us, that we could leave here different, that we would leave here closer to you, you to us, but that we would leave being transformed even just slightly more into your image, into your likeness, that we can go into the world and be your light and your love. So bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the third and final installment of a series that we've been running, which we call Future Church. And really, it's a three-part series that we want to become an annual rhythm to who we are at the beginning of each year. We want to give time to lifting our eyes and looking towards the future. So you could say that it's a vision series. It's about us looking to the days ahead and really trusting God and seeing who we believe God is calling us to be and how we are to be as a collective community. Future church, we've described it like this. It's the church we want to become. And I emphasized it last week. I'll emphasize it again. This is the church that hopefully we want to become, not uh, myself and Tam want you to become, we want to become something that we believe God is calling us to, and it's only going to take place if actually every single one of us chooses to own this and grab a hold of what this future might be to see it becoming a reality. Vision is an interesting um, concept. Essentially, it's very literally opening your eyes and seeing, but in the context of collective organizations, if it's corporate, if it's church, vision can be something that is compelling. It can be something that is inspiring. And I'm all for that. I'm, I believe there is a valued place for it. But what I know to be true in the experience that we've had and the environments that we find ourselves, unless it is actually owned and there is a participation to it, it's just a pipe dream. And so our desire and our prayer 
really is that you would grab a hold of this vision for who we are as co-church. This vision series, Future Church, the church we want to become, it began a couple of weeks ago where I spoke of a becoming people who are deeply formed by Christ. That we want to be a church who is deeply formed by Christ. That we would choose, based upon John chapter 15, to actively and consciously abide in Jesus, that again we would own our faith, and that we would partake in a communion with God by way of Jesus, that actually it is from Him we will see fruitfulness in our life. That from Him we will see bearing fruit, that we would stay in a fertile place despite the seasons that we face. You and I being deeply formed, to be transformed, to be shaped by the hands of God. That we would define success for you and I in the context of church and faith simply being us becoming more like Jesus. That we would be obedient to what God is calling us to and that we define success by that and that alone. Nothing more, nothing less. That we wanted to keep a profound simplicity to who we are. And then last week I spoke of us becoming a church that is the essence of community. I have to apologize if you weren't with us last week. What we tend to do is record our messages and then we can get that out in a podcast format. We had some technical difficulties last week and unfortunately that message, which by the way was probably the most profound message ever spoken in the history of Christendom, okay, it is now gone for all history. You missed it. If you weren't here, you missed it. But I spoke on us becoming a church that is the essence of community. And that's a big statement, right? I get that. Um, It's not one that I am intending it to be arrogant. In other words, that we would be the only church that is the essence of community or, or that we would be like the flagship church of that. No, it's just in our context, in the grand scheme of the kingdom, we believe that we want to become a church that is the real evidence of what community is. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32 was that defining passage of scripture that spoke of in a group of believers, which uh, entered into the thousands, by the way, it says that in that group, in that moment of time, there was no unmet need amongst them. For me, that is the essence of community. Because we spoke of community forms at the point where needs and gifts exchange. It's at that transactional meeting where one has a need, but the other has a gift and is acknowledging the gift that one has and is generous with the gift that one has, that then there is the cycle of generosity that occurs that ultimately arrives in a person's space where they have need and that gift has fulfilled something. Now, we believe it all begins in week one to be deeply formed by Christ. That's the beginning point and the ending point. But we know it to be true as well, that in our context and time and space, God has chosen to use the vehicle of his church, people. That's what church is. It's people. And so this meeting needs comes by Christ, but through people. Today, in this final and third installment of our vision series, the church we want to become, we want to become a church known for restoration. So we want to become a church who is deeply formed by Christ. 
We want to become a church that is the essence of community. And we want to become a church known for restoration. It's speaking about us going beyond ourselves. To see the lost being found. To seeing the broken being restored and the ruins coming to life. This is our mission. And what I want you to know is that every single one of us has a mission. It's the what of our lives. The why of our lives, in other words, the purpose of our lives, we believe it to be people. As co-church, people are our purpose. But the what of our lives is to be mission. That we are to be on mission every moment of every day of all of our lives. And it speaks to a sense of knowing that your life matters. And it absolutely does. It matters in your context, in your season, in your sphere. But you are positioned by God in this time in history. And it's to be about mission. We want to be a church that is known for restoration. Before we get to the specifics of that what, I want to touch on where that mission occurs. Because I feel like that's a good thing to get some clarity on. So Luke says this in chapter 24, verse 45. It's actually speaking of Jesus. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem. You are witness of these things and I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, okay? Just a key thing to notice here. It's Jesus speaking. He's actually commissioning those that would believe in him. He speaks very specifically about a location. He mentions Jerusalem. He's talking about a mission, which is a going verb, actionary word. But it's interesting how he says, before you go, you are to wait. And that is the beautiful tension of you and I following Jesus and living on mission. This is a going message. The message of Christianity is an active, going type message. But we should never be going until we've actually waited. And waiting is important in the going. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift of my father, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or dates that the father has set. It is by his own authority. But... You will receive power. My hope is is that we would not just have a theoretical Christianity. Nor just an intellectual Christianity. Now those are good, okay? Theology or theoretical is good. 
Understanding is key. And there is understanding available to us. Uh, Intellect is a good thing. Let's not be dismissive of wanting to grow in intellect and using our smarts and the beautiful brain that God has given us. But this life in Jesus is more than just in our heads. It is to be in our hearts and it is to be experienced with every fiber of our body and it is to be tangible to those around us. Now Christ is speaking to his believers about power. There is power available for us to live out the mission that God has for us. And he says it like this, wait because you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we have end of Luke's, Luke's, <laughs> plural, Luke, uh, Jesus speaking to his followers about this mission beginning in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1, we have again Jesus speaking to them about receiving power and then quite specifically mentioning four spheres of your life. And this is what I believe to be true. I believe God is the master strategist. I believe that God, in his intent to rescue humanity, has prepared a perfect plan. You can see why I got a little bit tongue twisted with that one. And if you were close, I would be spitting on you. He has prepared a perfect plan. It is well thought out. It is genius and it is strategic that God's rescue plan for humanity, because that is essentially who Jesus is. Jesus is the rescue plan for all of us, that he is the way, the truth, the life, that it is through him that we receive forgiveness of sins, life eternal and life here in all of its significance. God has a plan and Jesus is spelling it out. See, that plan is found in Jesus, but it is outworked through the church. And that is you and I. So where is the mission? Very quickly. Firstly, it's Jerusalem. Now, there can be some good theology around Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. But we're going to use it a little bit more metaphorically. I want you to think about what your Jerusalem is. And I believe it to be this, that in the context of our faith, worship begins at home. You know, I feel like what was um, exposed to a degree when COVID first came into life as we know it, and it absolutely messed with all of our ways of Christianity and particularly doing church. What I feel like it challenged a lot of people, myself included, was that it challenged our outsourcing our faith. And what I mean by that is that we become so reliant on programs, on systems, of methods. You think about our children. If we would profess to be true believers of Jesus How easy is it for us just to outsource our children's faith to a kids' church program? If they could just get 30 minutes of Auntie Tam speaking about Jesus. Now what happens when we know 
We can't come to a place like this and have our children be in a 30-minute window. The reality of life sets in, right? Because actually, worship starts at home. If there is any revealer of where we really are, and I'm sure, wives, you could attest to this, you know where your husband is at more than anybody. Husbands, you would know to be true of your wives. Kids would definitely know to be true of their parents. And so if we have this, I want to believe to change the world, don't talk to me about changing the world if your life is falling apart. Now, that is not a condemning statement. That is not me saying that you need to be perfect to fix the world. What I'm saying is, is fixing the world begins in your home. It begins around the dinner table. It begins in our marriages. It begins in our friendships. It begins. That's where the rubber hits the road, right? Now, again, please don't allow that to be something that is condemning. If challenging, fine. The Spirit of God is speaking to you about something particularly cool. Holy Spirit, do what you need to do. However, we want to become a church where we value worship happening in home. And so I say that to make a public statement about us as a family, the Russell family, and our approach to ministry. Because I've called you to make a commitment to who we are for 2022. And so I want you to be well aware of what it is that you might be committing to. We are going to actively have as a priority in our family, our family. That is going to be a priority for us. Uh, I, I have been in vocational ministry for close on 20 years now. And I would say there have been many times where my family hasn't been a priority. And we find ourselves in a situation right now where we have the privilege and the grave responsibility, which I do take very, very seriously, to play a role in shaping something that would see values that we have collectively through who we are. And one of those is our family. What's the point of in 10, 15 years time, we have what everybody on the outside might deem as a successful ministry, a successful church, which is largely depicted by quantity, which we've spoken about. And our marriage falls apart. I can tell you right now, you can have a ministry, a church for 30, 40 years, and you will be assessed, you will have impact beyond all the good if there is the reality of your life falling to pieces. And so we're going to choose as a priority our family. We're going to choose to go on holidays. We're going to choose to be at our kids' sporting events. I'm going to choose to surf. I'm going to choose to hang out and build friendships. I'm going to choose to ensure that we rest I'm going to choose to ensure that we have longevity in mind and not just rush and have as priority uh, energy in short moments. And we're going to encourage that for you as well. And in particularly, we're going to encourage that for our team and staff. The next, Jesus says in Judea. Judea now becomes into that wider sphere of society. Just think about your everyday life. Your everyday life of going to work, of filling up your car with petrol, of getting a coffee at Colombo Coffee or a Salt Cafe or Skyline. But it's that sense of, okay, interactions. 
What, what this is, is it's revealing actually the consistency and integrity of our lives. Are you still a Christian outside of this building? Really is the Judea. Are you still a Christian to the person who's filling up your car? Are you still a genuine Jesus follower sitting in Amplali prep traffic? <laughs> but it's, it's that, okay, is this real or not? You know, like, is this real? And, and we're not calling for perfect Christianity. I don't believe it exists this side of eternity. But we're calling for real Christianity. Real following of Jesus. And it's okay to own where you're at. But just own it. Let's all own it. But it's that sense of living out our mission on a day-to-day basis. All of us whom would choose to follow and believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are all in full-time ministry. Standing on a stage with the microphone is not full-time ministry. It is not even leadership per se. But you and I are all in full-time ministry, in your workspace, in your day-to-day life, in your family, in that area of life where there is consistency. That is your mission. Jesus says, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea. Then he goes on to Samaria. Samaria was that place at the time of Jesus that the Jews would not touch They would not go to. They would not interact with. So I think about it in the context of our lives. Samaria is that place that society has written off. But more than society writing off, because the society in which we live right now writes off very little, except for maybe Christians. But what about the group of people that the church has written off? Samaria is that people group, that sphere of life, That if you had to tell some of your church friends who you are reaching out to, they would look back at you with faces of concern. Like, why are you reaching out to them? Like, why are you connecting with them? Don't you know what they do? Don't you know how they live? I can't believe it that you've chosen to interact with them. Samaria is those people in our lives that they would be considered to be the least deserving of God's amazing grace, which is completely oxymoronic, that's even a word. Because this amazing grace of God is for everyone, for all people. And actually, we were the worst of them anyway. And yet God still loves us and is still for us. And there is a mission upon your life that you would reach into a Samaria, the untouchables, uh, the written off ones, the ones that would be furthest from the love of God, supposedly. And we would be there to reveal the love of God. And then there is the final thing, to be a witness to the outermost parts of the world. I feel like that's the sphere of life that as an individual, it may be beyond our capabilities. However, With God, nothing is impossible. And together, by God's grace, impossible things can happen. 
And so it is that sense of beyond ourselves into the nations, seeing those that would never come into a daily sense of connection with us, coming to find connection in Christ. We want to be a church known for restoration. There is a mission upon us. The mission is to happen in our homes, in our day-to-day lives, with the untouchables and to the furthest parts of the world, but it begins at home. And this is what the mission is. Matthew 28. Jesus speaking. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's okay to have some doubt. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. It is a going message. And make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you all the days of your life. There is a mission that was given to a small group of people. And that it was to go into all of the world and see this gospel, this good news, this life-bearing witness to the amazing grace of God becoming a reality in all groups of people. Now, you might think to yourself, well, it was only for them at that time. Have a listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new has come. There is something to celebrate that we are new in God. The old is wiped away. We have a clean slate. Now in God, the new has come. We are new creations. And all of this is from God. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Not just to them on the mountain in the Gospels of Matthew, but to us. We are called to a message of reconciliation and we are to be known as Christ's ambassadors. Right here, right now, in our homes, in Judea, our day-to-day lives, in Samaria, with the untouchables, and to the outermost parts of the world, we are here for a reason. And to live on mission. And that mission is restoration. It goes on to say this now in Isaiah 58. If you look behind you, this is the passage of Scripture that is beautifully printed on our walls. And this is what it says. This is a little bit hard-hitting, okay? And it's not Bevan speaking, it's the Bible. And actually, Isaiah is God speaking through a prophet to his people. So listen to it in that sense, okay? Shout it aloud, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob. For day after day, they seek me. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. There is sarcasm in here. I'm trying to portray it. I'm not doing such a great job, but there is. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near. They say, why have we fasted and you have not seen it, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? 
God replies, yet on your day of fasting, you do as you please and you exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for the people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for laying on sackcloth? Is that what you call a fast? Then he says this. This is the kind of fast that I have chosen. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth and the glory of the Lord will be a rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. We go down to verse 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. We want to become a church who is deeply formed by Christ. That is the essence of community and that is known for restoration. Restoration is spiritual. We want to go into all of the world and see the lost being found in Jesus, that salvation would be their story, but it is also natural. It is natural and spiritual, spiritual and natural. There is a mission for every single one of us. And there is a collective mission for us. And I feel like there is something upon us as a community that one day we could be known as a church that is for restoration. And that's who we want to become. We're not there yet, okay? We're not there yet. We're not there yet in our becoming deeply formed by Christ. We're not there yet in being the essence of community. We're not there yet in being known for restoration. But that is the church that we want to become. Our hope is... That is the church you want to become too for us. And it happens because we choose to own it. And all of our flaws and our strengths, we own it. It happens through collaboration. Our desire as co-church is to collaborate as much as we can with other local churches, with other uh, NGOs, NPOs. And I wanted to finish with this. And, and I'm mindful to use the language prophesy because I feel like there needs to be a weight to it and a gravity to it. And so I've wrestled with this. I've questioned this. I've been reluctant in sharing it, but I felt like there could be a seed that perhaps is deposited. And when it comes to us being a church known for restoration, the how... I feel like it's going to come through individual ownership and collaboration, but I also have a sense 
There's a little flame burning. I feel like we are going to be a church that is going to be a resource church. And what I mean by that is in this desire to see the world being changed or impacted, I believe there is going to be something that comes out of this community that will be a resource to the kingdom of God, to um, society at large. I feel like it's going to come through people writing. I feel like it's going to come through uh, our worship. I feel like it's going to come through the skills, whether it's in finances, in education. Um, But I, I believe there is something in us that is to be a resource to a wider body. Alpha is a phenomenal program that began with a church called Holy Trinity Brompton. At the time, you wouldn't think that Alpha came out of a church that was fairly small, quantitatively speaking. When I speak about us living life on mission, I don't have a desire for us to become a big church. Now hear me when I say this. I have an absolute passion to reach lost people, to see the broken being restored. But for me, that's not about size per se. But I do believe that we are to have a big impact. And that's where I feel like resource comes into it. Alpha is a course that really allows people to engage with faith, Christianity, and has seen worldwide incredible impact. But it came out of a church, relatively speaking, that was fairly small congregationally. Now this Alpha has been translated into 112 languages. It happens on most street corners in most societies of the world. And I feel like there is something for us in that vein. That we might not become the biggest church, but that we would have significant impact that comes out from us. And so that is something that resonates within you. I don't want you to dismiss it. I don't want you to be dismissive of it. I feel like let it be a word, a a prophecy, and let it be sealed that actually you could play a part in seeing us resource something way beyond ourselves. If you have any questions about today's teaching or anything else, please email us on hello at co-church.org Or visit us on our website on www.co-church.org. We gather in person every Sunday here in Umklali on the north coast of KwaZulu-Natal. And you are so welcome to join us.